Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture all while empowering fangirls because let's be honest fangirls knew about that band way before you did and before we get into today's episode we have another new patreon member to shout out so Malin, thank you so much for joining us over there and once again just to remind everybody if you want to go join us over on patreon you can pay anything from one to ten dollars and we have a whole backlog of music meltdown episodes as well as some did you hear news episodes covering everything from conspiracy theories to tiktok stars so definitely go check that out if you're interested and you can get that over at patreon.com slash name three songs and today we are talking about miss Haley williams and miss taylor swift but we did post on our instagram please come follow us on instagram come hang out with us on instagram we've been having so much fun talking to you guys i posted on our stories saying what do you guys want us to talk about Obviously, we're going to get into the Taylor Swift of it all. You know we've been doing some hardcore commentating on everything that's going on. We posted up there if you guys still want us to talk about this, if you want us to talk about other things. Overwhelmingly, you guys did want us to talk about this, so we are going to get to it at the end of the episode. And we are also talking about Haley Williams. At one of their concerts recently, she made a political statement because fans online were asking her to make a political statement. So we're gonna get into all of this. And again, if you guys wanna have a say in the topics we cover, come hang out on our Instagram stories. We are gonna put the timestamps for this episode on our Instagram story. So if you don't care about Haley Williams, if you only care about Miss Swift, or if you don't care about Miss Swift, you'll know on our Instagram stories. So with all of that, you may notice that we got a facelift. If you clicked on our episode today, I'm sure you saw we have some fun, cute new artwork that we're both so excited about. It's so fun that we actually got to uh, use a photo of us in the same place. <laughs> in the real world together. The funny thing, you guys, here's here's a little insider secret. The backstory of this photo, the selfie of me and Sarah, is that we were in Berlin and there were like posters, like Fall Out Boy's new record had just come out or was just about to come out. So there was posters of them like everywhere. <laughs> so we were just like on the street and saw a Fall Out Boy poster and like there's actually like a Fall Out Boy poster behind us. So I'll post this on our Instagram if you guys want to come see. I'll post like the actual selfie so you can see us. <laughs> felt very appropriate. Felt like a cute, fun, little, nice new addition for summer. And with this new update, we also thought it might be a good idea to like give you guys a reintroduction to who Jenna and I are because we have been seeing some new people popping up on our Instagram that we haven't really spoken to before as well as in our TikTok comments and so with that we're making the assumption that just because you follow us on social media you're also listening to the podcast and are like wow they're so cool I wish I knew them better and I know we have a lot of episodes to go back to to listen through to like understand who Jenna and I are as people so we thought we'd be like hey y'all this is me yeah we started this podcast coming up on three years ago literally august 
2020. So we do have a lot of back content. If you guys have been with us for a long time, you've probably gotten to know us over a while. But for anyone who's new, here's a little refresher. We started this as an outlet to talk about like fangirl life and also being critical thinkers, specifically starting with One Direction and like calling out a lot of the sexism that they faced as a boy band, as teenage boys, which is pretty wild. And like the sexism that fans face and fangirls face as like being belittled and not being taken seriously. And so if you guys have been with us, you know our whole MO is empowering fangirls as well as being critical thinkers and on our feminist journey. Sarah and I both have backgrounds as Warped Tour emo kids. <laughs> we grew up going to gigs, doing music photography, and that's ultimately how we met online through mutual friends because we were both music photographers. Sarah and I have been long distance besties <laughs> since... 2017 we've literally never lived in the same place fun fact so we met because we were both like i was doing study abroad in england in bristol and sarah was doing her masters in london so even then we weren't in the same city we were just like in the same country <laughs> sarah's never been to texas so you guys need to bully her online so she comes to, comes visit me in austin i've been to new york once we've honestly spent the most time hanging out in london which is so funny <laughs> because neither of us live there anymore obviously we both adore pop music i think that's something that as we've evolved with this podcast and as adults and fans and lovers of music we just like unapologetically love pop music so mm -hmm. much and I think pop culture goes hand in hand with that so <laughs> give some fun facts I feel like the one really fun part about like our like fangirl nonsense of the week sort of section is that you guys have been getting to like know us better through that and like what we're excited about what's happening yeah. on the internet and it's been really fun because I feel like also some of y'all have been coming to our dms more to like share in the complete meltdown of the fangirlness and like jenna said like the podcast literally started on the back of like watching over the summer of 2020 quarantine life like the internet figure out that one direction was good and jenna and i like having these conversations about like everybody was like horrible to one direction like why are they changing the narrative like what's happening and i just think it's really funny because in doing this i think even though we both were always like proud of loving what we loved like it felt even more like okay we can lean into this because like now we have the support network of like the people we're talking to because of the podcast which is really fun and like Jenna said like we both grew up as like Warped Tour emo kids which is like a very interesting world to grow up in especially as a fangirl and like for me it was really like the dawn of internet social media times like growing as a fangirl like with the my space available to me <laughs> yeah we've done a couple episodes covering this too i think also i think on patreon we have an episode like talking about like myspace versus tumblr bands yeah which is like honestly memory unlocked because that was like quite a while ago but we've done some episodes like talking talking a lot about follow boy talking about pete wins specifically talking yeah. about fan fiction and how that evolved in the emo scene also if you guys haven't listened to sarah's like absolute like <laughs> magnum opus which is comparing Pete Wentz and Harry Styles in the like gay narrative of it all. <laughs> Beautiful Chef's Kiss episode really makes you think. But it's funny because Sarah grew up on like MySpace, but when she got to Tumblr, she was like very much like Doctor Who Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> and I was very much the like 2014 indie Tumblr girl aesthetic. Like the everything that like people romanticize about that year is like that I was on that side of Tumblr. So I'm like, I'm an OG girly. <laughs> it's, it's really so funny because like I 
did follow like the 1975 and like other bands that I like that had tumblers. So I was always on like the outside looking in of like whatever the fuck was happening on indie tumblr because I was like, I don't know what's going on. I think also throughout the journey of this podcast, we've been able to bring in our own different interests as well. And Sarah was kind of mentioning that with our fangirl nonsense section of like, since doing the podcast, I've very much gotten into K-pop. Sarah's learning that area, whereas like Sarah's super into like video games and film and I don't know as much about those sections. So I think we kind of both bring our own unique perspective and interests and, and experiences when we come to this podcast as well. Yeah. And that's why it's been so fun for me, especially now since we've been like commentating on like recent happenings in pop culture, because like, as you guys saw when we did like our Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney episode, it's like that is not pop culture that Jenna would normally pay attention to, which like is fair. But I legitimately, when I say I have pop culture worms for brains, I have pop culture worms for brains. Like prime example, the other day, my friend's band announced that they're playing at Babies All Right in July. And he messaged me to tell me about it. And I was like, oh, my God, Baby's All Right is my favorite place that Kendall Jenner doesn't tip bartenders. And he's like, excuse me. And I was like, yeah. In like, I think 2016, Kendall Jenner went to Baby's All Right for a gig, had a bar tab of $24. That's like a $4 tip. <laughs> like, you don't need to give that much money on that. Like $2 a drink. That's basically what it would have been. Bitch did not tip. Like there is the bartender posted on Twitter, like a photo of the receipt where like Kendall Jenner signed it and like crossed through the tip section. That's so wild. (laughs) It's just like so funny to me. And I just remember there was like so much debate within like the company I was working for at the time of like the people on the side of like, of course she didn't tip she's like a snarky rich person like who thinks she's better than a bartender and then the other people being like maybe she tipped cash or like no kendall jenner's never seen a one dollar bill in her life (laughs) she's like what is this what does a banana cost ten (laughs) dollars literally but all that being said we're gonna post like some of our little backstories on instagram as well if you want to read more about it but we felt like it was fun to do a little reintroduction to everyone and i've been mentioning instagram a lot we really are being active over there we are really having a lot of conversations with you guys as i mentioned posting our episode topics to get your interest on them i posted quite a few this week and we are going to end up talking about Haley williams but also this week for the first time ever we posted what is your fangirl nonsense <laughs> we've been talking a lot about what our fangirl nonsense is but i want to know what you guys are talking about and you guys really loved this so we're gonna keep doing it we want to give some shout outs we're not gonna get to everyone but there were a lot of people who commented on this post on instagram so if you got if you guys want to go read what everyone else in the community is interested in visit the post my favorite comment was like another thing that i was going to talk about this week anyway is that randomly for some reason i feel like every four-ish months we keep getting like a leaked one direction song like we keep somebody just keeps gifting us with like one direction vault songs on youtube disguised as like something that looks like a fan just posted it but there was a new one direction song that leaked so elena who is also part of our patreon and on our discord where we've also been talking about this song commented on the post and was like the new 1d song which was called where we are which like if you are a 1d fan you know that they literally named a tour after this yeah. song and yeah. then the song just never came out and all of us were like what the fuck is where we are like we don't know and now we know like <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing the funniest thing about listening to this unreleased song and i saw somebody like i think it was like on the youtube comments who like was talking about this like this song 
sounds like so specifically that era like so specifically one direction so specifically that album it literally just like unlocks memories like it's literally a time capsule piece no it's and it's really good too perfect boy band is perfect drop more of them drop more on release tracks now i need to spend a hundred dollars on every member of one direction instead of all five at once one direction the unreleased album (laughs) okay but like also if they just like all toured together i'd save so much money Oh my god, stop. <laughs> so we got this really heartwarming DM. I literally have been like, I was so emo about this. I literally sent this po- this this message to my mom. Jess messaged us and I have permission to read it. And Jess said that she's the mother of a teenage fangirl and she took her daughter to see TXT in LA. She's a diehard MOA. I cannot tell you how much fun I had, Jess had. It was such a joy being surrounded by young folks, thousands of girls, such a sweet and generous vibe from the guys in the audience. And of course the guys were amazing and I was just like so my mom always took me to concerts growing up and like we would drive to Houston and we would drive to Dallas and we literally even went out of state like on vacations like planned around concerts oh yeah same and I cannot tell you like how amazing that was as a teenager to like also to have that experience with my mom and share that memory with her literally just warms my heart obviously i'm biased too because TXTs are my faves right now so <laughs> i was just like so emo thinking about like if i was a teenager right now and like my mom was taking me to see TXT, how wholesome that is i love this so much and that also reminded me the first year i went to bamboozle my dad took me and I wanted to go in the pit for Motion City soundtrack. So my dad went in the pit with me. Oh my me God, stop. To protect, to protect me, which was like super wholesome. So Jess also said that they lucked out in getting VIP tickets for TXT. So they went for like the sound check experience and they were sitting on the floor. And Jess mm-hmm. says, as a parent of a teen, the time feels fleeting. So why not get into what she's into? That's how I found your podcast. It gives me some context to think and things to think about. I'm just like, so there's <laughs> so wholesome this is literally so heartwarming this is like the best moment of the week honestly it was so nice and it's like really fun when jenna and i see these things and like we get to like be emo together about like these moments of like i don't know like Like listening like like listening to our podcast because you want to like understand your teenager better i wow (laughs) i just like never knew that would be an outcome of this and it's so it's it's so so heartwarming So we did have a lot of comments on that post. Um, Another one I'll just give a quick shout out to was Emily, who was talking about Taylor Lautner's TikTok in which he's like him and his wife are recreating like the Shark Boy Lava Girl, like him singing a dream song. Yes. It's so funny. And I feel like we need to revisit and talk about Taylor Lautner at some point because he's been doing like a lot of like press but also like he has a podcast with his wife or something so he's just been talking a lot about his experience and we've talked about him before like in our episode in which we were talking about how like teen boys are also very sexualized and we yeah. often don't talk about it and like he's one of those prime examples of someone who was so i feel like we'll revisit this topic soon yeah definitely i feel like he's it's been really interesting like seeing him speak out about like his experience with fame Because, like, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, like, you know that I literally didn't watch Twilight for the first time until last summer when Jenna came to my parents' house and, like, made (laughs) me watch all the Twilight movies, basically. And so most of my fanness towards Taylor Lautner was because he was in this British sitcom called Cuckoo. Yeah, that was so good. And it was, like, so good. And he's, like, such a talented actor. And he's, like, genuinely so funny. And so it's just, like, so, for me personally, so weird and like sad hearing him talk about how like he feels like people's views of him have changed as he's grown older and like hasn't kept up like 
the body he had when he was like 17 in the Twilight movies when I'm like, you're yeah. literally like a comedic acting genius. Like, why does yeah. it matter? <laughs> like, you're, yeah. You're, yeah. you're so funny and cute. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> One more shout out we want to give. We asked, what type of topics do you want us to cover? Kate left a comment for us saying that you would love for us to do more nuanced chats around K-pop and want to hear our take on K-pop and the female gaze. I would love to talk about K-pop more. I love talking about K-pop. <laughs> Pop. We did do an episode about a year ago with Dr. Thomas Bodinet, who is a researcher and professor in Australia. He spent a lot of time looking into like Japanese, Thai, and Korean culture and the media within the LGBTQ community. So that is like a kind of a similar episode. If you wanted to hear us do like a deep dive on that, he's very, very smart and breaks down a lot of things for us. But we haven't done an episode specifically about female gays in relation to K-pop. So this is definitely something we're thinking on. We might try to find a guest for this. And also, if you are obsessed with the female gays, we did do an episode where I wax poetically about the importance of hands. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so we do have we do have an episode about the female gaze, but it's more of a broad spectrum. So I feel like if you listen to those two episodes back to back, you'll get a bit of both of what you're looking for. <laughs> so that's my suggestion for you. And with all that being said, we are going to get into our fangirl nonsense of the week. And can I just say I'm gonna interest I'm gonna intro Sarah's for us, okay? I'm gonna set the scene. Louis Tomlinson, <laughs> not only not only did this man wear a tank top on stage. <laughs> There are fan cam edits of him on the internet to sexy music. Okay. <laughs> this is literally this is literally so funny because this is everything that if you go on t- TikTok, like K-pop TikTok is so many fan cams of idols like where they're like purposely very sexy edits. There is one of Louis Tomlinson. So Sarah is getting the type of content that I've been getting. It was honestly like I think I was slightly traumatized so like the first video i got was just i don't even know what song he was singing i didn't even hear it all i saw was like this man and his like fucking tracksuit bottoms and a tank top and i was like and like red lights and i'm like what is happening what is going on <laughs> oh my god and then i sent it to jenna and then like two videos later it's like <laughs> slow-mo videos of like him like caressing the mic okay Guys, if you've never watched a live video of Louis Tomlinson, go to our Instagram. We'll have one of these TikToks up there. This man is so horny all the time for no reason. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Like, if you watch the documentary, like, and he's talking about, like, how much he, like, loves the fan. And, like, even interviews, like, people are like, oh, it was like, a, you're Yeah, being- it was a Zach Singh interview <clears throat> where they're talking about, like, fans literally choking him. And yeah, he's like, and he's I like, like I, it. I kind of like it. I don't like Louis. <laughs> Louis, you can't make, force your fans to do kinky shit to you. Like that, that's not okay. That that's maybe, he's not forcing anyone. They forcing they're anyone. they're the ones doing he's, it. He's not forcing anyone. But are they doing it for sexual pleasure? I don't know. And I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just like it's so funny. And I'm just like my dude, my guy. And, like, to lean even more into the fact that Louis is just horny all the time. This man is singing 505 by Arctic Monkeys. I know. I was like, well, the, well, like, there was another, like, video where it's him. It's the video of just him singing 505. There's, like, red lights and the tank top. I was yeah. like, Sarah's dead. Sarah's I was, I was gone. Sarah's not. Gone. I posted on my Instagram story literally yesterday. Like, I am dead. And it's just, like, so funny. Because then there was, like, obviously Louis knew he was doing something with this, like, fit. Which, like... Honestly, like if it was anyone else, like I said last week, literally Louis just looks like he's 
prepping for a bar fight in a northern pub in England. Like, and that's even more so in this tank top and tracksuit bottoms. But he clearly knows that we're all deranged and like love this for him. And he posted a portrait of him in the tank top. And, and like he posted it in such a way that it's like easily croppable for a lock screen. So this man knows exactly. He knows. He knows exactly it's what he's doing. But I sent it to Jenna and I was like, how is this man both so haggard and hot at the same time? He looks like he hasn't slept in weeks. Also, can we like normalize bullying men into getting lip injections? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he literally looks like so Northern British. It's so funny. Like he's just like such a normal look. He's just like such a normal dude. And I'm like, the things I would do for this man. <laughs> you know what? I just don't remember ever seeing content like this pre-pandemic, a la pre-TikTok. And you know what? If this is a gift that keeps on giving, you know what? If K-pop had any impact in this, I'm here for it. <laughs> I feel like it must have. But speaking yeah. of K-pop, Jenna is still very deep in her K-pop hole. So would you like yeah. to share about what's going on on your end of the internet? No, no news to report other than my favorite idols are still being cute and adorable. BTS is having their Festa, which is their annual two-week celebration of their anniversary so we're getting all kinds of content from them an ot7 song Jin is being featured on suga's youtube drinking show so armies are in chaos moas are in chaos because T- yeah there's a lot happening in txt world a lot happening in bts world yeah i'm just living i'm just writing off the high of like the concert still honestly i will say like sarah we said this on the last episode sarah was just like it's so nice to see you just like love something so like unapologetically and purely and truly i have not been like fangirl mode since like i, I don't even remember like i don't even yeah. i can't even tell you the last time like maybe when i was in college with like when one direction was still one direction i don't know and honestly it just made me like love like truly love and enjoy being a fangirl it's just like this stuff is like made for us and it's literally so fun to partake in and also kind of like gave me a renewed sense of energy and excitement around honestly just doing the podcast and like being part of like helping people find their fangirl moments and like not being Mm -hmm. afraid to embrace them and like being part of the music industry in some shape or form it just like has given me a lot of like positive energy honestly I love that. It's so nice. Because also, like, I feel like the whole point of, like, us talking about, like, these fangirl moments, again, is to, like, destigmatize it a lot. And also because, like Jenna said at the beginning, like, the whole point of Name Three Songs, really, at the end of the day, is, like, to normalize fangirlness, but also, at the end of the day, to, like, know how to ethically be a fangirl. Because I feel like... There's and like we talked about literally last week with like Jenna's like struggle between like her first day seeing TXT and the second day seeing TXT and like being comfortable with fangirling like publicly as well. It can be really difficult to like understand how to like ethically be a fangirl. And that's why we talk so heavily about like media literacy and critical thinking and like how things that are happening in pop culture like go into normal day-to-day life and all that stuff because everything really relates back to it and at the end of the day the more like ethical thinking fangirls there are the like better off everything is going to be in the long run and eventually we are aiming towards fangirl world domination so just keep that just keep that in mind (laughs) just keep that in mind whatever industry you're in professional fangirl world domination 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mean, we're, we're already seeing it happening because in conjunction with the Haley Williams stuff we're going to be talking about, literally last night at the D.C. show, she had Maxwell Frost, who's a U.S. representative for Florida's 10th congressional district and a member of the Democratic Party, come up and be one of the two, like, misery of business girlies on stage. And he literally, like, on stage was like, fuck Ron DeSantis. So fangirls are very slowly taking over the world because we literally have one in Congress and he is, like, out there shining. And I love that for him. Hell yeah. Which is also very pertinent to what we're actually talking about with Haley Williams today, which is that last weekend at adjacent festival in Atlantic City, New Jersey, Paramore was performing and Haley Williams took part of their set time to give this little speech. She said, the Paramore show is a place to forget how shitty the world loves to treat everyone, but especially those in marginalized communities. Tonight, everyone here, you're all equal and we're just here to enjoy music. I saw someone say, I wish I felt more comfortable talking about politics on tour. And I'll be happy to tell you, I'm very fucking comfortable talking about politics. If you vote for Ron DeSantis, you're fucking dead to me. Is that comfortable enough for anyone? But when it comes to shows, it's nice to forget for an hour or two. So... Haley Williams taking a stand, <laughs> Ron DeSantis, an awful, awful human being, the governor of Florida. So very fitting that Max, also from Florida, was there to represent not only fangirls, but, you know, a just society. <laughs> <coughs> but this video basically went viral of Haley Williams calling out specifically Ron DeSantis, who has announced his run for presidency for the Republican Party. Obviously, in contrast to like everything that's been happening with Taylor Swift of her literally not saying anything, despite being from Tennessee and performing in Tennessee when there's like drag bands and transgender bands happening there. Haley Williams, meanwhile, is using her platform for good. If you guys haven't been paying attention to like US politics or Florida or any of this, I'm just gonna give you some background about like how vile Ron DeSantis actually is and the fact that he's running for president because as you guys know, we like to talk about how pop culture actually is important. Pop culture actually does affect our daily lives. And this is one where pop culture and politics are actually crossing over. So a few of the bills that Ron DeSantis has signed in Florida bans abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, signed a measure outlawing gender transition care for minors and restricting it for adults, punishing businesses that admit minors to adult live performances, such as drag shows, making it a misdemeanor trespassing offense for people to use public bathrooms that do not correspond with their sex at birth, prohibiting public school employees from calling students pronouns other than those that match their gender at birth, banning public universities and college from spending money on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. 
and also signed a law that allows Floridians to carry concealed weapons without a permit. Literally, literally hands made tail shit. Hands made tail shit is happening in Florida to the point that the NAACP and other civil rights groups have issued a travel advisory to Florida warning potential tourists about the recent laws and policies championed by Ron DeSantis and that Florida lawmakers are openly hostile towards African-Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals. And this man announced that he's running for president. Like, this shit is serious. It's so scary and awful. And again, this is why it's so important for people with platforms to be speaking out and why we get so frustrated and a lot of people online get frustrated when people are silent because silence is complacency. And again, it's like basically at this point, like silence is the same thing as voting third party. It's like you're throwing away your thing because the assumption will always be that you did the wrong thing, really, because it's like a vote for nobody is a vote for the party that you don't want to win. And like not saying anything gives plausible deniability and allows for people who are on the wrong side of history to decide that you are like their spokesperson. And the reason why you're not speaking out is because like, if you did, there'd be backlash from like the liberal elite and you can't have that happening. And that's why. And so, I mean, like Haley Williams, like being like, Oh, like you say that I'm not being political enough. And like that obviously affecting her enough for her to make some sort of a statement. And like we spoke about the other week as well, like how there have been multiple artists who have been having essential drag shows during performances at their sets in States where these, where drag shows are banned and things like that. It's like these people are making political statements in order for the conversation to go forward. Because like, again, it's like when fans see their favorite artists, like taking a stand and being comfortable being vocal about the atrocities that are happening in States like Florida and Texas and Tennessee, like it then helps those fans feel safer and more comfortable also being outspoken about the things that they care about. And also just like protesting things that we don't want, like as a citizen and as Haley Williams, as someone who has a platform in that regard, making her fans feel heard and seen and safe, but also like using her platform to speak out against like things that she doesn't want to see happen to our country. And it can like help elicit change as well, because like in that regard, it's like, somebody with a platform with a voice like if what they're speaking about is getting reported on then you have even more eyes and ears on that moment on that thing that happened and that can get to politicians and like who knows maybe greg abbott's like secretly a really big paramore fan greg abbott's daughter did go see harry styles in austin when harry styles was doing his concerts in austin it was leading up to like the race for governor of texas which was abbott versus beto o'rourke who is for the people who is a Democrat. So at the time when like Harry made his, like he had a, like a Texas for Beto sticker on his guitar and he just, he didn't really say anything. He just like pointed at it and Beto was there in the crowd. So it was Harry taking, what? Harry said like, oh, like I, like my guest here tonight, he like announced him and they like put him up on the screen. So it's like, yeah, well that's not like a huge political statement. Again, like he's not American. It's a line. It's 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 an endorsement. Yeah, exactly. And even though Harry didn't give his speech, it's still an endorsement. So uh <laughs> it's just wild it's just wild like again because we're getting into the taylor swift of it all like 
the fact that like even Harry Styles, who's not a U.S. citizen, even Harry Styles, who's not a U.S. citizen, specifically was in Texas. (laughs) Yes, specifically who was in Texas, specifically who like Greg Abbott has been governor for a very long time and there's no limit on how long governors in Texas can hold office. So Greg Mm -hmm. Abbott could literally be governor until he dies unless he's voted out. So it's like the fact that Harry went out of his way to weigh in and endorse Beto for this runoff that was so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Beto lost, unfortunately. But it was close, wasn't it? Yeah, it was close. It was close. It was really close, but he lost. That in comparison to like Taylor, who's like said that she's an advocate who isn't doing no advocating. Yeah. But, and also like Harry doing such a small act. Like, just imagine now us knowing, like, oh, Greg Abbott's daughter was like there. Imagine if Harry was the type to be like, an outward activist about this stuff and he like made a speech about Beto like could you imagine like how much that could have like affected her teen brain because like I'm not saying that that like Harry Styles like making some political speech is going to be like conversion therapy for Republicans but I do think that like when your favorite artist like is outspoken about something in politics and in these things it does make people think and like there have been people who have been swayed from the way of life that they were like republican families have lived based solely off of the fact that like the people that they look up to all disagree with that so maybe they have a point and maybe i should look into this and that's why this is so important and relevant and like a really big deal when Haley Williams is like up there on stage, like denouncing Ron DeSantis. Especially when he has such restrictive laws, especially when he's putting in his run for presidency. This is literally like, not to be a uh, fear mongering, but like the, this is like the future of our nation is at stake. Obviously we're quite a ways out from the actual like political elections here. But yeah, I think it's important. It's important at, at this at this point in time, it's like really, really significant. The artists who are speaking out. It's just really important in general. Like, yeah, we have a whole other year until like all this stuff really starts ramping up in regards to like another presidential election. But I think it is important now to like get your facts straight and like understand things and understand that like we might not be happy with everything Joe Biden has done, but it's better than fascism. And better than fascism is unfortunately the bare minimum that we're going to have to deal with. But Uh, There are a lot of people in the Jewish community speaking about how the laws that Ron DeSantis is passing and the things he's trying to get away with in Florida is very reminiscent of Nazi Germany. So, like, just Mm. just keep that in mind. (laughs) And so with with all that being said and all the politics talk, of course, we have more to commentate on in regards to the Taylor Swift of it all, because there have been a lot of long reads coming out in regards to, like, journalists opinions on Taylor Swift and the situation, as well as there was a really long feature article about Maddie Healy written by Gia Tolentino for The New Yorker. And I think in regards to like the bigger discussion at hand here, it's more important to talk about the Taylor of it all than the Maddie of it all, because the Maddie conversation is kind of getting stale because it's all very repetitive of you have some people being like, everything he's saying is just a bit, suck it up. And then other people being like, but the bit is hurting my feelings and and is making me feel unsafe. And I feel like those are completely warranted feelings to have because I share in those feelings as well. But I have been speaking very in depth and making lots of videos on our TikTok account as these articles come out. I've been talking very critically just from the viewpoint of like what type of PR strategy this is and like 
the things that Maddie is saying that just feel very unhinged. And then also I have my own personal TikTok where I'm kind of just talking about how it feels like everybody's gaslighting Jewish people for being a little bit upset, which has been fun and interesting and exhausting on the internet because I, I, I genuinely like it, it causes me pain just in general that like I'm allowing some famous man that I don't know to like hurt my feelings this much, but it's less about like him and more so about like the way that fans are responding on the internet and how any other minority group when there's two sides of it, one side being like, this hurts my feelings and another side being like, oh, like I don't really care if somebody says this. People are always like, I see you, bestie. I get it. And they're never like, oh, but like my other friend of like this minority background doesn't care. But like when it comes to Jews, it's like if you know one Jew who doesn't care, it's like suck it up. My one Jewish, the one Jewish person I know doesn't give a shit. And I'm like, is the one Jewish person, you know, Jack Antonoff, who's making all of his money off of Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift? Like, shut the fuck Stop. up. Stop. <laughs> like, oh. I, 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 but like my one comment I will say about the New Yorker article is from my personal opinion, it felt very much like it was meant to be a fluff piece of just kind of being like, this is who Maddie Healy is and like why his behavior makes sense. And then the quotes from Jack Antonoff and Maddie himself were just kind of like, I'm just a misunderstood white dude. Everything's fine. And it's like, you just made this so much worse. It's very interesting that all of this came out in the same week of like Maddie's interview in the New Yorker was May 29th. We had a Rolling Stone opinion piece titled, we wouldn't be having this conversation if Taylor Swift was a man, came out May 30th, the following day. And we also had on the same day, May 30th, In Teen Vogue, Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy relationship backlash reveals the hypocrisy of political critique of celebrities. So I think it's very interesting that all of these more think pieces are coming out at the same time, as well as like obviously this Maddie interview had to, it was super, super long. So had to have a bit of time. It's just wild because this conversation, and I think why we keep coming back to it so much and what we've said before is that like, this is so important to pop culture and media period. Like our podcast has always been about like the way media treats and talks about celebrities. And I think these articles that have come out are very case in point of this. Yeah. Also, the interesting thing is that like, if you're on TikTok, you're seeing so much conversation happen so much. And then these articles are just like, addition to the existing conversation that's happening from fans on tiktok but if you're not someone who's like tuned into tiktok which like honestly i think most of us are this day and age but it's like it pre-tiktok all we had was these articles and opinion pieces to like guide our thinking on this stuff yeah and like yes twitter and tumblr like were facil- like places to facilitate conversation but not to the degree that tiktok is and so it feels very much like fans are having a conversation on tiktok about their feelings and also the media's doing op-eds whereas before it felt very much like the media is the one leading the way in the conversation and how these think pieces should go and fans happen to be there yeah i mean <laughs> It's really interesting in regards to these think pieces because so I think I mentioned this last week, but if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, I have long been a critiquer of Taylor Swift. And it's it's honestly like in in the scope of just like critiquing celebrity figures in media, like being a Taylor Swift critic is one of the scarier people to like be a critic of. Because, like, I do think that Taylor Swift is a very talented woman, but also at the end of the day, I think that, like, almost everything she's ever done that has felt like it's, quote-unquote, a good thing has always been 
like something that's going to like help her career. And so it's like she's a businesswoman first and maybe a good person third um, after like a talented artist second. Um, so it's businesswoman, talented artist, good person, maybe that's still that's still something I need to fact check if I'm going to be honest. And it's been really interesting for me because I keep joking with Jenna and like I was joking with Jenna before these articles came out about how like oh I need to write Maddie Healy a thank you card for being seen with Taylor Swift because now that this man who has had multiple like oh should we cancel him moments on the internet is seen with Taylor now people are looking at Taylor under this microscope that I've been personally looking at her under for most of her career and I've just found it really intriguing seeing people finally critique Taylor about things that I think are warranted of critique with the current political climate and like why it is so important and necessary really to like be outspoken and so there are completely valid criticisms against Taylor Swift that are being discussed on the internet and I would never ever say in regards to these things that are being said about Taylor that anybody's trying to cancel her because again cancel culture isn't real we've done episodes on this as well like being canceled is stupid and just people trying to make a point out of nothing and like never really amounts to anything and I don't really think anybody's like bullying her or doing anything there's they're just speaking factual information because based off of Miss Americana and Taylor's lover era a lot of people were expecting Taylor to be moving into like an activist sort of a portion of her career where she was going to be like taking legitimate steps into doing activism work for the community the marginalized communities that she cared about that were parts of her fan base and so we the first article that i saw in regards to these two op-eds that we're discussing today is angie martuccio's rolling stone article and i saw the headline of we wouldn't be having this conversation if taylor swift was a man and as soon as i saw this my heart essentially sunk into my stomach because if you know anything about our podcast, like we talk a lot about the misogyny that women in the music industry face. Like that was really a huge amount of like our deep dive episodes that we did the first two years of this podcast. And there is like so much misogyny and internalized misogyny that these women face. And like a lot of why, like there was so much focus on like Taylor's relationships like throughout her career and like all that sort of stuff and so it's it's warranted that people can say that like oh Taylor Swift has dealt with a lot of misogynistic rhetoric throughout her career but saying that we would not be talking about Taylor Swift in the way that we would without misogyny I think is completely misunderstanding what is happening right now which is that Maddie Healy put his foot in a door and the fans opened that door And that door was into acknowledging for once in their fucking lives that Taylor Swift isn't the perfect person that they like always act like she is. And she doesn't have to be perfect. Like nobody's expecting perfection. But Angie's article for Rolling Stone just reeked of white feminism because the article never really made a point. The article in question acknowledges a couple of things that have happened in regards to the fact that like oh like taylor swift concerts are supposed to be like fun and goofy and we're trading friendship bracelets and this should have been a fun time but instead the mood feels weird because taylor's dating maddie healy and she acknowledges that like the things that happened on the adam friedland show podcast that maddie was on and like the comments that he laughed at and the jokes that he took part in and she also quotes from the new yorker article 
uh, where Maddie says that like none of it really matters and that uh, backlash from these people is just virtue signaling and they don't mean it. And the quote that like went around so much online was Maddie saying, it's just people going, oh, there's a bad thing over there. Let me get as close to it as possible so you can see how good I am. And I kind of want them to do that because they're demonstrating something so base level, which I just think is Maddie trying to act like he's better than all of us. And so then Angie goes on to write, if you didn't catch that quote aggregated on the internet about 137 times, then goes on to make fun of people who are scrolling on Twitter too much. She's like, you aren't missing much. And she continues to write, this is all part of Healy's artistry, an intricate tangled web of bits intended to rile you up and piss you off. This is the guy who eats raw meat on stage, gives Nazi salutes and delivers intelligent observations like, quote, I'm obsessed with my dick for some reason. Stupid shit is his brand. Are we really supposed to take anything he says seriously? And I would just personally like to ask Angie Martuccio why the fuck a Nazi salute is as small of a thing as eating raw meat on stage and saying that he likes his dick. So care to respond? And she goes on to write, I'm not here to answer that, like whether we should take him seriously, but I am here to tell you that none of it's Taylor's problem. And for the last 17 years, we've held this woman responsible for the actions of men she chooses to spend time with, and it's time to stop. And this is where I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. Because yes, we do talk about Taylor's relationships a lot. And we meeting the media, which Angie is a part of and writing about Taylor on a media outlet that talks about Taylor's relationships along with every other media outlet. So it feels a bit hypocritical. As you can tell, I'm like very riled up about this article. And I just think it's like really frustrating that it was written and that Rolling Stone gave it its stamp of approval because this had to go through editor's approval. And editors were like, yeah, this is fine to post. And basically what Angie is doing is being like, we all know somebody like Maddie. It's not that big of a deal because she continues on to give two fair reasons that Angie gives for criticizing Taylor is Taylor walking out of electric lady with the ghost of Paul Pot which I don't even know what that means. I think that she's talking about Maddie Haley. And then she goes, or wondering why her dad and Matt Lauer are grooving out to her performance of 22. So she's basically saying like, the only two things that we should be criticizing Taylor for are that her dad's friends with Matt Lauer. And I guess that she was seen with Maddie Healy. And then she continues on to write, but this is just a hot sleazeball, meaning Maddie, who wants Oasis back together. And then in parentheses, she goes, I don't know about you, but I've dated a lot of guys who fit that description. And then she's like, and it's up to Taylor to spend her time as she pleases. So basically, she's giving Taylor a white woman to fellow white woman pass for everything because she also has dated men who have said questionable shit and had questionable things that they like and been okay with dating that man. And that I don't think is cool. I feel like this, the conversation like started out being really mad about Taylor Swift specifically being linked to Maddie and that's like what this article is about but the bigger picture that finally we get to in the Teen Vogue article is that it's like fans are only now like waking up to these kind of like double standards of Taylor because of Maddie and I think that's the bigger conversation and wanting to get into today is it's like we've sat here and debated for weeks on end about whether or not she should or shouldn't be dating Maddie and like the repercussions of what that means on both of their sides. But the bigger picture that I think was revealed in this Teen Vogue article is that there's a long list of things that Taylor Swift could be criticized for. And the fact that it took her dating Maddie Healy to get there is the wake up call for fans. Yeah. 
And and this is why it's so interesting is because like this Rolling Stone article is like poorly written. It feels like from the statement uh, of the title of we wouldn't be having this conversation if Taylor Swift was a man. It feels like there was going to be a point that was proven in this article and there was no point proven in this article. She fails to make a point at any moment in this article other than to be like, I don't think Maddie Healy's behavior is that bad. Let's let Taylor Swift date who she wants and let's stop basing our opinions on her based off of who she dates. But I think that like it's completely warranted because I know personally, as well as like a lot of friends, like if my friend was dating a man with the opinions that Maddie Healy has shared with the public over the last six months, I would be like, I don't ever want to hang out with your boyfriend. And if you're going to keep hanging out with your boyfriend, I don't know. If I'm cool with you anymore either, because that makes me feel like you're okay with his views on like people of color and what porn he watches. But the Teen Vogue article that Jenna just mentioned brings to light the same question of is misogyny at play? And if so, why? And does it in a well-researched, well-thought-out way? And I think that it's a very valid point because it does feel a little bit like this could be misogyny that it took a questionable man to make people question Taylor's behavior. But at the same time, I think also there was a smaller conversation happening when Taylor Swift was best friends with Carly Kloss and Carly Kloss started being in a relationship with a Kushner. But it wasn't as loud of a conversation because people were more into the fact that maybe Taylor and Carly were secretly in love than they were into the fact that Carly was dating a Republican and now is married to one. And so, like, this isn't the first time that Taylor's friend's behavior has made people question Taylor's own choices in life. But because Carly wasn't directly the problem, like that conversation wasn't as big. But there was like a small ripple that happened because of Carly's closeness with the Kushner. So this isn't the first time that I think very warrantedly there has been a look into like who Taylor spends her time with and like what that means about her in the grand scheme of things. So to get into this article from Chiara Giovanni, Chiara writes, why is being seen in public with Maddie Healy of all things, the line in the sand that prompts my friend's outrage and sparks a call for boycotts? Swifties newfound shock at their idols' choices, along with the resulting shift in public discourse from adultery to condemnatory, reveals hypocrisies in our own critiques of Swift. Our refusal to take seriously these indicators of her political values until her dating life comes into play betrays the gendered nature of the response to her celebrity, even 15 years into her career. Her fans' palpable shock and disgust, with some deciding to step away from her work for the first time, demonstrates the lack of seriousness with which Swift's prior actions have been treated. All of this suggests that, because Swift is a woman whose career has long been viewed through the lens of her romantic life, from listeners attempting to link her songs to specific lovers, to Swifties mourning at the end of the Joel Allen era, fans and critics alike continue to brush off her actions that take place outside of a romantic context, even when they clearly signal her political priorities. The nature of the current backlash, though well-intentioned, still implies that the most important litmus test for a powerful woman's politics is her choice of a lover. I do think this is very fascinating Mm -hmm. way of looking at this and I don't know if this is easily applied to every woman ever as they kind of insinuate in this article but I do feel like Taylor Swift specifically her entire brand has been built about around 
her relationships. Like from day one, from Teardrops on My Guitar, a majority of the songs that she writes are about her romantic relationships. So I don't know if that critique is fair to apply to all women in positions of power or specifically Taylor Swift because of the way that she's crafted her narrative essentially. And I don't think she did it on purpose in this way. I think that because of her songwriting, this is what fans have latched onto and this is what her brand became. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think also like Jenna makes a really good point. Like at the start of Taylor's career, like she on talk shows and everything she was doing, she would like talk about the boys that she was writing songs about. So it was like very common for like us to be up in Taylor's business and like as she got more famous, she held that card, like her relationship cards, like closer to her chest and then because we were like she essentially trained her fans to, like expect the knowledge like her fans would like seek out that knowledge themselves but i do think like chiara's point is very interesting in that like she's saying like a lot of people have just like ignored what taylor has like very clearly been doing and being like very capitalistic in nature and like sharing a lot of like Mitt romney style republican viewpoints just in like money and all that sort of stuff so like pre-trump era conservatives being insane like republicans like you know like our dad's republicans is kind of the vibes taylor swift had given off for most of her career and i mean like she's a white girl from pennsylvania who moved to tennessee it would be completely normal assumption to make about her as a person but i think that the thing that is so interesting is like a lot of fans i think were willing to turn a blind eye even fans from minority groups because they were getting so much from her in regards to like music and feeling like they were close to her because she would have fans to her house for like album listening parties and she would do all these Easter eggs for them. And it felt very much like a symbiotic parasocial relationship. But I think like as things shifted in regards to Taylor putting out that Miss Americana documentary, like Taylor had never once prior to that really spoken about politics. So fans had no expectations from her. And like we said earlier, Prior to 2016, there was, like, less expectations of our favorite people to be speaking, like, in celebritydom, to be speaking about politics. And so when Taylor made this statement, like, everything really lines up because she started dating Joe before Miss Americana came out. So she already was in that relationship. I feel like it's unfair to say that, like, oh, we've been so judgmental about Taylor based off of her relationship choices when she's been in the same relationship for the last six years. And during that six-year relationship, she put out the Miss Americana documentary where she made this stance of being like, I need to speak out now. Now is the time when I speak out. Like, people I care about are, like, losing their rights, blah, blah, whatever. And then in the lover era, and she is like, oh, like, being an LGBTQ plus ally is, like, so important to me. And then the lover era had to be put on halt because of the COVID pandemic. And so that we never got, like, to witness Taylor Swift being outwardly an activist. And it was kind of in a way, I think maybe a gift to her fans and to her, because I don't think she ever would have like gone to the point that the fans were expecting her to go in with that activism. And now when the world is open up again, she broke up with Joe and is with Maddie Healy, who has been saying controversial shit for his whole career and saying some of the more controversial shit of his whole career in the last six months since like the they've been connected. And so I think to a lot of people who just like, 
we're fine with her not being politically active. We're expecting political activism. Didn't get it. Then she started dating this problematic man. And now they're like, actually, I should look into if Taylor Swift has actually ever done anything after making that statement. A little bit ago, we were talking about how for some fans, there is an air of misogyny that comes into this. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, I mean, I think we saw it also in regards to Harry Styles dating Olivia Wilde and people automatically deciding that they didn't like her. And there being completely valid reasons to critique Olivia Wilde and feel like uncomfortable about like the way that she was promoting Don't Worry Darling and saying that like the movie was about female pleasure when the movie was literally about like a man keeping a woman captive. And so it's like, that's a valid reason to critique Olivia Wilde and be like, I don't stand this woman. But a lot of people were just like actively just hating on her. And for a lot of them giving absolutely no reason, but being like, why is Harry Styles like dating this woman? Like she groomed him, which like she didn't, he's an adult man. And like, oh, like her position of power by being the director. And it's like, okay, like when has there ever been backlash about against a male director dating a star of his, of his like show or movie? Barely ever. And so that very much felt like there was a lot of misogyny in regards to people, the hate campaign against Olivia Wilde when there were valid things to critique her about. And the same thing is going on with Taylor Swift, where like a lot of people are just like, she's dating this ugly, gross man. Like, why would she spend her time with him? Like, that's disgusting. And so there's like a lot of hate towards her for like choosing Maddie Healy as her partner. And a lot of that is in regards to like, trying to take her down a peg like as a woman from a place of misogyny really when there is like completely valid critiques to be made about her and her choices in regards to like her private jet and lending that out and like how big of a carbon footprint that has and like her selling like so many different versions of midnights and the fans and the overconsumption and like how much waste that's creating and all of these things that are happening and so there's all these valid reasons to criticize Taylor. And there are a lot of people using those valid reasons and discussing those valid reasons. But there are also a lot of people just hating on her because they just don't like Maddie. And so that's where like the misogyny comes into play. And I think that Chiara in this article like touches on that very well, whereas the Rolling Stone article is just a bunch of bullshit. In conclusion. In conclusion. I mean, like, I think that this is something that, again, is unfortunately going to be taking over the pop culture discourse for months to come because Taylor Swift tour is going to be ongoing. Like the 1975 just posted some sort of TikTok video teasing something that's going to be coming soon. Like they're both going to be very much like in the media's eye and like the paparazzi is going to be paying attention to them. The outlets are going to be paying attention to them. Like this conversation is not over. So again, it's just going to be this ongoing discussion, ongoing discourse. And I think that if anything, like if people continue to like go the route of thinking like Chiara did, like I think that this could very much like open a lot of eyes to a lot of things of like how people do treat women in media and how there is a difference between like what we talk about here at Name Three Songs, like acceptable critique and like critique for no reason. And so I'm just really intrigued to like see how this continues to go forward, especially when like Maddie Healy is one to be very outspoken, but never when people want him to be. 
And Taylor Swift is one to never be outspoken, but constantly available to the public. And I just think it's going to be really interesting when everybody wants them to respond. And both of them have a very long history of never responding to anything. Yeah. The more it unfolds, the more complicated it becomes. Yeah, Uh, it's layered and nuanced. When this announcement was made that they were rumored to be together, I don't think we thought we would find ourselves here one month later. I thought it was going to be a silly, goofy time. I didn't think it it was going to be like this. It's just so interesting because as public personas, they're so vastly different. So the way that they're going to continue to handle this will be a very interesting case study on what we expect from people in the public eye with platforms because their approaches and how they came up through the music industry have been very different. And I think Taylor Swift being one of the biggest artists in the world, our expectations of her as fans and as general consumers, the general public... I think it's going to change. As you said, in 2016, we did not expect artists to speak out in the way that we expect and hope they will now. Yeah. I think all of this is just making a lot of people think and reevaluate and like, how much do we expect from artists? And like, when can we demand things? When can we not? I think a lot of fans are, are saying like, break up with Maddie as their demand. Yeah. When it's like, that is maybe, as you mentioned, rooted in a little bit of misogyny of it's like, also in this article from Chiara, you don't get to like demand who someone does or doesn't date. Yeah. But you can hold them accountable in other respects. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that like this is going to set precedent for a lot of public figures in how they go about speaking out in regards to the next election because I think that a lot of people aren't going to want this onslaught of press going around them for being performative activists in the way that there is press going around Taylor about being performative activists. So I'm really intrigued to see how this all goes going forward. And I would love to hear from you guys about your viewpoints on this, especially if you read these two articles in particular, because I know that there's been a lot of conversation going on on TikTok as well as like in my text messages with me and my friends about like these articles in particular. Um, So definitely go read them. They'll be linked in the show notes and you can come chat with us on social media about all your thoughts, thoughts and feelings about everything. And we are at Name Free Songs on all platforms for those discussions. So thanks for joining us this week on Name Free Songs. And until next time, never let anyone feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Louis Tomlinson. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit namethreesongs.com. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.